this is Stacey Hillier and you are listening to the Prophetic Collective Podcast. Well, hey friends and welcome back to another episode where we focus on all things revival. Today, talking about prayer as the fuel for revival. Now, when it comes to talking about prayer, I couldn't start by quoting anybody else but Dr. David Yonghi Cho. And I'm quoting from a book he's written that is called Prayer That Brings Revival, subtitle Interceding for God to Move in Your Family, Church and Community. I highly recommend this book, Prayer That Brings Revival. Here's what Dr. David Yonghi Cho says. Renewal or revival is possible anywhere people will dedicate themselves to prayer. And we know that prayer has been the key to every single revival throughout the whole history of Christianity. In Luke 24 verse 35, Luke tells us that before the church was born or birthed on the day of Pentecost, that the people were continually in the temple blessing or praying to God. We know also in Acts 1.14, which precedes that very famous chapter where the Holy Spirit falls, we read in 1.14, all these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer, together with the women, Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. In other words, everyone was there in the upper room. They'd had a 10-day prayer meeting when revival came. The Holy Spirit fell, and the rest is history. And so the Holy Spirit descended during a time of concentrated prayer. And we often see that today. And before the missionary era of the original church began, it was the Holy Spirit who revealed to leaders gathered in Antioch that they should send Barney or Barnabas and Saul. But the Holy Spirit only spoke to those leaders after they fasted prayed and we know all about their ministry to the Gentiles and what that changed in terms of the history of our Christianity all proceeded those decisions made after prayer and fasting. I'm going to read you a quote from the introduction of the book prayer that brings revival. Dr. David Yonggi Cho says throughout every move of the spirit upon the church since its birth revival has been preceded by prayer. The Reformation was born after Martin Luther locked himself in a room within the tower of the Black Monastery at Wittenberg for a season of prayer and intense study of the word. John and Charles Wesley and George Whitfield spent hours in prayer and fasting, and as a result, the worldwide Methodist revival was born. As the 20th century rolled in, God responded to the prayers of many men and women of God who were committed to prayer and fasting for revival. And the Holy Spirit fell as in the second chapter of the book of Acts and Pentecostalism was born. A new outbreak of revival today can bring about the social and political changes necessary to keep us from international destruction and calamity. What will bring about the revival that can lead the world away from the brink of total destruction and annihilation? The answer, a new call to prayer. Oh, I love it. Honestly, you have to read this book. In Matthew 21, 13, Jesus himself said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. I wonder why it is that Jesus said that The most important thing to him was that his house, if he could have whatever he wanted, that his house be called a house of prayer. Why was that so important to him? 
because he understood that all of life flows from the well of prayer. And how deep the well of prayer goes will determine how well the rest of life flows. Oh, I just came up with that. I like that. (laughs) How deep the well of prayer goes will determine how well the rest of life flows. That'll preach. I'm keeping that one. I want you to listen to this from Dr. McMillan of Main Street in his report titled The Australian Spirit During COVID-19. So he's a social researcher and this is some new research that has just come out. While there is a perception that Australians don't do religion, the reality is quite different. Not only are Australians engaging in spiritual pursuits, they are engaging more in faith practices since COVID-19. God conversations is up as is prayer. It's really interesting to contrast that with the recent census results. Less people going to church, but more people praying. So of regular churchgoers, 63% are praying more as a result of COVID-19. Isn't that exciting? And I can confidently say that I fit into that category. I mean, I had more time to pray during lockdown, but also really began to see the need for prayer. And so I just want to say to everybody who has increased their prayer life, don't stop praying. And our word prayer actually comes from the Latin word precarious. So we pray because life is precarious. Have we ever been as a world and a nation in a more precarious season? I don't think so. And so it would make sense. It follows that we should be praying more. Canadian psychologist Dave G. Brenner describes prayer as the soul's native language. Every major religion in the world has some form of prayer. It is human nature to pray and to connect with the divine. And we are born with a desire to connect with God therefore to live a lifestyle of prayer. So much so that one quarter of those who describe themselves as non-religious admit that they pray at least once a month. To be human is to pray. And so I want to give you some tips for praying before I tell you another couple of revival stories that are connected or preceded by a great hunger and rebirth or new move of prayer. I'm going to give you three tips. Keep it simple, keep it real, and keep it up. Keep it simple, keep it real, and keep it up. This is from a book that's going to change your life if you want to know how to pray. A very invitational, access level, not intimidating book, like brilliant. It's by a man named Pete Gregg, and the book is called How to Pray. It comes out of Alpha. Um, or the church that runs Alpha. He runs a 24-7 prayer ministry. There are videos that are free that go along with that book. If you buy one resource out of what I talk about today, if you only ever buy one resource to do with prayer, Get How to Pray by Pete Gregg. It will change your life. So he talks about keep it simple, keep it real, and keep it up. So we've got to keep it simple so that the most natural thing in the world doesn't become complicated, weird, and intense. So when we talk about praying and a prayer that fuels revival is talking to God about the desires of our heart. Do we really want to see revival? Are we really willing to pay the price that revival demands? Because personal revival often precedes corporate revival and it's in the personal heart that a hunger for prayer is developed, an appetite for prayer is developed, that then overflows and can lead to corporate revival. Prayer is one of the places where an individual gets set on fire 
by the wind of the Holy Spirit, by the pneuma. So keep it simple, then we've got to keep it real. Because when life hurts, you're going to be tempted to pretend that you're fine. And when we mess up, we tend to hide. But what we have to learn as Christians is that in the seasons when we get it right and the seasons when we fail, we still need to keep praying. Jesus addressed this in Matthew 6 when he was talking about don't be hypocrites in your prayer life. And that word hypocrites there literally means don't pretend, don't act. It was in the culture of the time, putting a mask on in a theater performance and pretending to be somebody else. That was the word Jesus was using about the Pharisees' prayer life, that they were putting masks on, or even some of the um, Jewish elite, the very religious Jews, that they were praying several times a day in the most visible places, using the biggest, most fancy words, um, literally meaning words like abracadabra, abracadabra, babble. And they were putting these masks on and pretending to be somebody that they weren't. And Jesus' answer was, go away to the secret place, to a room devoid of distractions, and just meet with me there and keep it real. So when it comes to praying for revival, keep it real. Our nation needs change. The only thing that is going to change our nation is Jesus The only thing that is going to change the political, financial, spiritual climate we are living in is Jesus. And we need Jesus not to just come to one to two families, one or two individuals. We need him to awaken the masses in our nation. That is the definition of a revival. When Jesus comes and he awakens individuals, he awakens his church, and as a result, communities are awakened, cities are awakened, nations are awakened. So we keep it simple, we keep it real, and keep it up. We are in the fight of our lives right now, and our world is depending on us. And if prayer is the womb or the birth canal of revival, We do not want to be responsible for the death of what God wants to do in our nation, the new thing he wants to birth. The birthing process is prayer. Prayer is the womb and the birthing canal of revival. And so we have to keep it up. We can't pray for one or two days and be like, well, I'm not seeing anything. We have to keep on praying until we see what God has dropped into our spirits come to pass. I want to recommend another resource to you here that I don't have time to go through, but if you want to learn how to receive spiritual vision from God, incubate that vision in your spirit and pray until you see it come to pass, you need to read the other of Dr. David Yungi Cho's book, which is called The Fourth Dimension. Weird name, don't get weirded out by it. It is life-changing, like life-changing. One of my friends has built his entire ministry on the principles within that book, and God is blessing everything he touches. So that book is called The Fourth Dimension by Dr. David Yongi Cho. It's all about receiving a vision for what God something wants to look like, incubating it in your spirit through prayer until you see it come to pass. So huge encouragement to go and read that. Don't you just love thinking about the fact that the disciples lived with Jesus for three years? They saw him heal. They saw him prophesy. um, They saw him do incredible things. But there was only one thing they asked him. They didn't ask him, teach us how to prophesy, teach us how to preach, teach us how to do all the things you do. They asked him, teach us how to pray. 
And the reason they asked him that is because they knew the preaching, the prophesying, the everything else came out of the praying. And when the disciples asked Jesus to teach them to pray in both Luke and Matthew, his reply was just 31 words in the original language. We're going to read it together, Matthew 6, verses 9 to 13. Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. You know, in the original language, these 31 words rhymed. And so Jesus was giving his disciples a short rhyming prototype that would fit into a single tweet in modern language. How amazing is Jesus? Let me say that again. He gave his disciples a short rhyming prototype that would fit into a single tweet in modern language. It was simple enough to be memorized by small children and profound enough to sustain a lifetime of prayer. But here's what I want you to take away. When it comes to revival, we will not see a revival without prayer. And so God invites us to pray simply, directly and truthfully just how he has made us. We don't need to pray prayers that are huge and impressive and theologically got 55 points to see revival come. They just need to be hungry prayers. We don't have to pretend. We don't have to perform. We've talked about the fact that he instructs us not to do that. You know, in the church, we spend a lot of time focusing on the three and a half years of Jesus' public ministry and how we can imitate that. We've had armbands, I had the shirt, the cap, dub, dub, JD, what would Jesus do? And that is a very important part of our personal discipleship and followership of Jesus, that we would look at his life and imitate it. But let me ask you this, what has Jesus been doing for the last 2,000 years? 2,000 years, he's been doing one thing, the Bible tells us. He's been interceding. And how much time do we spend imitating that? Romans 8.34, who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died more than that, who was raised. Who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us? Hey listeners, did you know that Stacey also has a guided prayers podcast? Contemplative prayer is a biblical and rich practice that helps us to step out of the hustle and to silence the noise to hear God's voice and to let his word dwell richly in us, transforming us from the inside out. With a new guided prayer released monthly, you too can discover the rich treasures of contemplative Christian practices. Find it wherever you listen to your podcasts by searching for Guided Prayers with Stacey Hillier. Now, back to Stace. And so Jesus paid for our sin. He paid a price we couldn't pay. He defeated death and was raised and he now sits at the right hand of God, and he's not kicking back, sipping a latte, or barking orders out to the angels. Instead, he's praying. He's at the Father's ear, pouring out intercessions for his people here on earth. And so if we want to be more like Jesus, who carried revival everywhere he went, we cannot stop praying. In fact, we have to increase our prayers. Jesus hasn't stopped praying for 2,000 years. And he won't stop. And because he won't stop, we can't stop. We have to partner with him. 
So now I'm going to read you some incredible revival stories. This is from a book written by John Crowder, like the Crowder band, band C-R-O-W-D-E-R. And it's called Miracle Workers, Reformers and the New Mystics. This has got sermon illustrations and ideas for days and it outlines a whole bunch of revival stories. It has been setting me on fire. And I'm going to read you a story about Amy Semple, then Evan Roberts, and then the Azusa Street Revival. And if you don't get fired up at the end of this, then you need to check your polls. So let's start with Amy Semple McPherson. So Amy lived from 1890 to 1944, and she was a dynamic personality in early Pentecostalism who brought the tenets of divine healing into public awareness. She was a woman of great prayer, and Amy initially incorporated healing into her services, not because she particularly considered herself gifted for the miraculous, but she simply thought it was a requirement for any ministry to operate that way, that the preaching of the word would be followed by signs and wonders. And she uh, actually garnered a lot of attention. She ended up in the mainstream media like the Los Angeles Times, the New York Times. Um, She got put on TV. Like it was crazy what was happening in her life. But I want you to hear this one particular story. This is so cool. So during one meeting, a lamp actually exploded in Amy's face. And she had to douse her head in a bucket of water to quench the flames. It blistered her neck and her face. And she left the revival tent in agony. And so then what happens is a heckler jumps onto the platform and jeers. The lady who preaches divine healing has been hurt. She burned her face. There'll be no meeting tonight. Kind of making fun of the fact that Amy was this prayer warrior who moved in power healing others. But here she was with all these burns on her face and neck. So Amy's side of stage praying when she hears this man. I love this. So she stubbornly gets up, rushes back to the stage sits at the piano and begins worshipping the Lord, praying and playing the piano. And the entire crowd watches in amazement as her face begins to change colour and the red blisters begin to disappear before their eyes until her entire face and neck were completely healed as she played and prayed her prayers to God. Oh, shut the gate. I love it. And so, of course, revival broke out. And that is just one story about this prayer warrior, Amy Semple McPherson. What about the legend that is Evan Roberts? Let's take a moment to talk about him. So Evan Roberts lived from 1878 to 1951, and he was setting Wales ablaze, literally, during the time of America's early healing revivalists. And the Welsh revival broke loose in 1904, and for two years it seemed the Holy Spirit had completely consumed the nations. Churches were open 24 hours a day for constant intercession. So it's really interesting that Prayer precedes revival, but it continues to fuel its continuation. And when the prayer stops, history shows revival stops. So bars and dance halls were deserted and shut down as entire communities were converted en masse. I just need a moment. (laughs) Flip, yes, Jesus. Crime came to a halt. Sports events were cancelled. Theatres and political meetings lost attendance for lack of interest. I live in Melbourne. I'm believing for the day when nobody goes to the grand final because revival has hit and everyone's at a 24-7 intercession meeting. Yes, Jesus, do it again. 
Coal miners would go to worship services until the wee hours of the morning, then rise early to pray together before the next day's work. Then they would pray between shifts. Their cart horses had to be retrained because the miners no longer instructed them with foul language. (laughs) I love it. So they're praying morning, noon and night, 24-7 intercession. And we all know the story of what actually happened through Evan Roberts' ministry. There were thousands and thousands and thousands of people saved, ministers released, it was incredible and, and sadly his life didn't finish too great. But he was a man of prayer, birthed a revival through his personal prayer and then a mark of the revival he led was corporate intercession and prayer and communities were changed. It is epic. Okay, if that's not enough for you, let's talk about Azusa Street for a moment. Now Azusa Street was actually led by an incredible man of God whose name was William Seymour. He lived from 1870 to 1922 And this is a really interesting story because he suffered under a lot of extreme racism, even within the church, because he was a black man. He was a student of Charles Parham's Bible school and segregation laws kept him from coming indoors to many church meetings. But he was so hungry for the things of the Lord that he would sit outside the door and listen as preachers preached about the Holy Spirit. And very early in his walk with the Lord, he started to receive visions in his prayer times. And eventually he led a move of God where he accepted blacks and whites, where there was no segregation. And he moved into an old horse stable at 312 Azusa Street. And it was in this stable in 1906 that the Pentecostal movement was officially born. Now people would fall over and weep. They would speak in tongues. They would laugh, jerk, dance and shout. They would wait on the Lord in their prayer lives for hours, sometimes saying nothing, just listening to his voice and Seymour would often preach from his knees. Prayer lasted all day and all night and firemen were even dispatched to Azusa Street because people saw a fire which was actually the visible glory of God resting on the exterior of the building and similar occurrences have happened in a number of revivals like the Indonesian revival as recorded by Mel Tari in the 1970s where firemen were also dispatched to a glory fire that was visible to the whole community around. And I love these stories because these things happened during prayer meetings. And what is common in Amy Semple McPherson's story, Evan Roberts, as well as William Seymour, is these were people of personal prayer who God set their hearts on fire for Jesus And as a result of one person's personal revival and one person's personal commitment to prayer, revivals that are still talked about today were birthed. And the distinctives of all three of those revivals was constant prayer. The prayer birthed the revival. The prayer sustained the revival. And what I want you to hear today, prayer is the fuel that births and sustains revival. If you want to see revival come in your city, in your church, in your heart, in your family, in this nation, we must become people of prayer. And it doesn't have to be complicated. Just keep it simple, keep it real, and keep it up. God loves a hungry prayer person who talks to him all throughout the day. So we need to become people like that. My church at the moment 
We're in a season called Revival Month where we're doing every morning prayer meeting 6.30 to 7.30 on Zoom. So you don't even have to get in the same building. We're opening up our auditorium from 10 till 2 every day with just spirit-filled music playing, people praying in the auditorium, writing down what God speaks to them. We've got a team of intercessors who do pray all day and all night over specific requests. We've got people who come in and for six hours at a time just pray in the spirit, just jackhammer that hard soil. I'm so grateful to every single one of our prayer warriors, each in their own laneway. And then we've got these revival nights where we spend extended time in worship and prayer together. And God is moving powerfully. We've seen about five people in the last few weeks healed of cancer. We've seen um, babies, several babies who were meant to die, born completely well, sent home completely well because we've been praying. And God is moving significantly and he is moving powerfully and we are upping the ante on prayer. And it's not fancy and it's not always beautiful and perfect, but it's always hungry. And it's prayer that fuels and sustains and births revival. So I couldn't finish any other way today than by praying. Father, I thank you for prayer. I thank you that you want to be in a conversation with us. I thank you that you're a God who isn't bothered by the sound of our voice, but loves it when we talk to you. In the same way as I'm delighted by the difference in the intonation of each of my children's voices, what they're passionate about, what fires them up. You love that about your kids. You love the things we talk to you about and what that reflects about our heart. And you love to speak back to us, giving us wisdom, giving us guidance. Lord, we are asking for an end times revival to hit the great Southland of the Holy Spirit, not to build us a platform not to make famous the name of any man or woman, but so that Jesus would be known by all. I pray for the broken, the lost in the nation of Australia, the nations of the world who desperately need answers, who desperately need wholeness and healing. Oh, Father, I am asking, send your body, send your sons and daughters out to their workplaces, their schools, their universities, their cafes, Set their hearts personally on fire in the place of intimate prayer so that out of the overflow of that intimacy with you, we would speak boldly and be your witnesses. That has always been your intention, that we are the light of the world to go and shine. So, Father, I do pray that even under the sound of these stories, that you would be breathing on the coals of people's hearts, that you would be igniting the small spark in their heart and making it a raging inferno for Jesus and that their personal revival would be contagious to their husband, wife, children, families, communities, churches. We hear your call to prayer. We heed your call to prayer. We understand that eternities rest on our response to get on our knees. And you said, if we humble ourselves, fall on our knees, seek your face, you will heal our nation. We hear the if, if we humble ourselves, if we fall on our knees, if we seek your face, then and only then can you heal our nation. So we choose right now to humble ourselves and to exalt you. We choose to fall on our knees more than we choose to fall on the couch and watch Netflix. And we choose to seek your face What do you want to do in our nation? What do you want to do through our lives? Take out what you need to take out. Deposit what you need to deposit. 
and use us as your hands and your feet in this nation to see harvest. The harvest is ripe. We make ourselves available as the workers so that you won't have to say the workers are few. You will say the workers are here. I'm more than enough in my house. That's our vision. So God, I pray, let revival start in every heart that's listening today. Let them hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, love you guys. I pray that this fuels your prayer life and let me know how you find in this series. We've got one more in this focus on revival, I think, but hey, we'll see what Holy Spirit says. Can't wait to talk to you all real soon. So grateful that you are listening and love you all. Bye. 